0: Chit Chats aims to make information available for everyone the podcast transcripts are on illislechitchats.wordpress.com for the hearing impaired and those who'd like to read instead thank you for engaging so where have you been Rainith? <laughs> it's been a day i'm not gonna flake on y'all and not you know deliver what i promised i would even if it doesn't come on time it will come Hi everyone, my name is Reyneth, and welcome to a little chit chat. My oh, my throat is just raw. I don't know how to describe it in English. It's just raw. Yeah, raw didn't sound right in my head, but I'm not feeling too great, but it's okay. I'm surviving. Hope you guys are good. Welcome to a little chit chat This was supposed to be Fridays. Episode where we were going to talk about film, but well, here we are. We're doing this right now, and we're going to talk about the day we didn't meet Jan Grenier's film that came out on Show Max in February. I was very excited, I was very, very excited to see this film. I was just woo! And Leah Vivier I don't know how to say her surname, but she sent me a in love face on my status when I said I was so excited for this film that's probably doesn't sound like a big deal but it's a big deal some recognition that oh hey I'm a fan but okay (laughs) okay so the thing that I thought about as soon as this film finished was like three effing timelines I feel like it was a thing of let me write two timelines like I have before and then Jan Krenia was like, let me just confuse them even more and add a third one. It's almost like the Princess Switch, which had two Vanessa Hudgenses and then added a third because she could. And who doesn't love to do an English accent? I know I do, very much so. <laughs> anyway, Jan Krenia is great at timeline switches. To see an example, Watch Warnerless, which was his first feature film. It worked. Not only because it was easier to do the rest of the film that way, because it's pretty much previous night and then next morning. Obvious, right? Then there are previous day and today scenes, but he directed them well in the way he utilized transitions. With this film, I had to guess. It wasn't that clear from the beginning and the only thing that gave me a hint that, okay, this is timeline number one was Alex's hair was tied and in the second one, it was loose. Personality-wise, um, I wonder if I'll still be like this seven years from now because Alex, character development maybe? I could be wrong, but as it was actually different. Now that I think about it. Okay, let's start. This week on the audience perspective. We're in bed, intimate. Alex and Sam waking up, the beach ambience, you know, it's nice. A witty conversation and a sentiment that starts the film off with men can't be fakes. And the earworm starts. Na, 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 na. Na, na, na. <laughs> I'm not gonna start singing here. <laughs> but the great Yawns All in the Water is the theme song of this film. It's no secret I'm a Yawn Klinia fan. He's an amazing director. The short choices, transitions that he uses, not like Fade to Black. But I forgot what you call it when... You use those kind of transitions when you go from one object to the next scene with an object of a similar shape. He does this with people and their movement and a lot with conversations. Also, the score. I've seen the same names in his films in certain roles and I can certainly say that their collabs translate well on screen. But the main reason why I love Johan Krenier is that he's a great writer. He's good with writing chemistry between people, be it friends like Lucas and Harry, and complex couples like Sophia and Hank. So I was excited to see this film. I knew this was romantic when this song played over the trailer of The Day We Didn't Meet. I just was not prepared for the earworm that lasted for weeks. So Sam and Alex meet each other again years after the end of their relationship. Purely coincidental and I caught on quickly that they used to play a game of pretending to be married. Now it's a good way to break the ice after years, I guess. And then they go grab dinner. And the game continues pretty much through the whole film. But I think I got the film the second time around that I watched it and I understood okay what is happening between these two. Alex talks to her patient in one of the scenes and they discuss romances and she says that it's a bunch of lies and then the patient says what's the point of not enjoying the fantasy I don't like romantic movies either I don't like romantic stories. The moment I noticed the patents in rom coms or soppy chick flicks, and I really hate calling them that because not every chick enjoys lies, wishful thinking situations, but I understood in that moment that that's the point. You're not going to enjoy them if you keep rolling your eyes at the lies. You must humor them. So, I'm still watching Skins. If you know what Skins is, it's a a teen drama comedy. Well, It used to be like a comedy and turned into kind of a drama situation about these teenagers dealing with like dark things. Imagine Euphoria without all the sparkles and the colors and the transitions and the everything. Except, like, the storylines, but, like, in like in 2007 to 2012. Around there, I think. Um, so, this has, like, three generations. And I'm now at the third generation, which is season 5 to 6. And I can honestly say that I'm not enjoying it anymore. There's only one person out of the bunch who I watch for now. It's Rich and you know he was the type of person to not believe in romance and you know everything you know he finds things like stupid and he's metal so he doesn't want a girl who is not as metal as he is until he falls in love with the girliest girl of girls who believes in fantasies of fairy tales i ate that up i don't know why but I guess because he wasn't a stalker or manipulative or just plain unreal, his love story happened kind of organically. But yeah, me and romance films are just not really friends because I'm I'm a big skeptic. Like I, I just cannot switch that thing off. I'm gonna look at it like no, that's not real. Nope, nope. <laughs> um, but you know what? I'll just take that thinking of trying to enjoy the fantasy, and then we'll just see if I can potentially enjoy romantic films. Anyway, back to the film, The Day We Didn't Meet. Sam and Alex met while Sam's girlfriend broke up with him. This was the first time that they met, and Alex is like the quirky type of girl who makes comments and jokes, you know, is very open and then invites him for a drink. Like, can you please share your guts? Because I actually know someone who's not afraid to approach and laugh with strangers, but it couldn't be me. People aren't that friendly here, are they? If you know of anywhere where you can literally just walk up to someone and be random and be yourself. Probably there are places, but can I just teleport there, where they are? (laughs) So Alex is super cute. She's so playful and I kind of get why Sam liked her. Sometimes it really gets boring when people take themselves too seriously. But it's deeper here. Sam doesn't seem to want to live in the real world at all. While Alex is playful, likes a fantasy, she has realistic goals and thoughts. When she talks about them and her future and not staying in one place and going out there into the real world, Sam starts, he's bothered by that. Like, life's moving too fast for him. I get you, dude. So in a future timeline, he says that he left Cape Town. He uses a smart analogy about Cape Town being a very expensive and fancy. I'm so fancy. I should have a YouTube channel. I just can can just imagine in my head how I would edit this. It'll be really funny, but no. Um, (laughs) So Sam's analogy is about how Cape Town is just fancy and this expensive restaurant, but it has no heart. While Joe is a smelly bar, but has a lot of heart. Something to do with pizza. Go watch the movie, you'll understand. And he says that he had to grow up. Okay, character development, yay! So there's that. Um, so while they met, they were having this conversation about relationships and whatever. And Sam was talking about why it didn't work out between him and his girlfriend. And Alex mentions that you know it's it. it her mom says it's simple when you meet the right person. Lies. <laughs> I think this episode is more about saying how much romantic movies lie, but a lie, of course, kind of subverted with how they make, how they meet, but that's what fantasy sell us, right? That's why sometimes we're, we're quick to throw in a towel when things don't go so great because it's supposed to be simple. The romantic films, romantic stories sell us this perfect... Love story, and it's all gonna be simple, and you're gonna have that one fight, that big one fight that lasts a century before you get back together again. Again, I mentioned this to live happily ever after. Hi, reality check. There'll be a dozen of them. It's normal. So it was simple for them, for the two of them when they met. And had their relationship until things got complicated. Because they were living in a fantasy. And then the fantasy suddenly got real when the feelings got real for one of them. Sam has commitment issues. Not relationship-wise, but in general. And this is something that she's observed that he's afraid of starting anything, doing anything, getting too deep into things. And he's living in his own world that doesn't force him to take, you know, the next step. That doesn't force him to take decisions. And he likes to escape. Unfortunately, Alex happened to be part of that escape. But when things got real, he was well on his way. He didn't want it to be real. For keeping in mind how romantic films are just lies and lies and more lies and romanticizing everything, this film was good at selling the fantasy because it is a fantasy. And I especially love how it brings us back and reminds us that we are in one. And the emotional parts come from those reminders. One con about this film though, is the ending. I was kind of confused the first time I watched it. I think I understood and I said what the ending meant out loud. But then finally, it was confirmed when I watched it again that, oh, for real, I actually did understand. I was confused by the three timelines. Three timelines, really? (laughs) I hope this is the limit. So, yeah, I don't really have much to say about this film, um, except that I liked it. I don't think of it as a romantic film in the entire sense of the genre. I think of it like films that are similar to 500 Days of Summer. Like, yeah, boy meets girl, boy meets boy, girl meets girl. But it's more of zooming in on the relationships without the film being entirely... A romantic film. I don't know how to express myself in normal terms and sentences, so excuse me, I just hope you got what I meant. But you know, those types of film where it's not a romantic film per se, where it's saying something about the relationship itself, even if it disguises itself as a romantic movie. Once again, I love Johan Grenier's writing. I really love how everything connects. Nothing spreads sporadically that there has to be questions that go unanswered. What's said in one scene will connect with another at a different point in time. This is mostly what I realized with his writing. Many people are good at doing that. But it's that one thing that stands out for me about his writing. Also, let me congratulate his co-writer Augusta Zeitzman. You can watch The Day We Didn't Meet on Showmax. Well that was me. I made it. It was the shortest episode probably and like I said I don't have much to say but that this film it was alright. It wasn't my favorite, but it was good. I once again just appreciated Jan's writing more than the film itself. I don't know if people actually review films like that, yeah, but there was literally no commentary except that I don't like romantic films and this didn't feel like a romantic film in the sense of romantic films which made me appreciate it even more. Selling me the fantasy and reminding me that it's a fantasy, you know, so yeah. But, Two days later than what I was supposed to be here, you won't believe how hectic things have been. Sacrifices have to be made, postponements, but couldn't leave you guys. Had to come. So, thank you once again for listening. Two days later. (laughs) Subscribe for more, share the love, and visit us on the socials. All will be in the descriptions. Have a good one. Take care of yourself, seeds. Hi, Raineth here. Around the time that I started my podcast, I was told by someone that they wanted to start a podcast too, but they didn't know how. Well, it has never been this easy to share your thoughts with the world, certainly not unlimited characters anyway. I joined Buzzbras because I wanted a podcast-friendly environment that will have the work that I do with every episode. I'm not looking back. Buzzsproutz is home to 100,000 podcasters. It's an ideal choice because not only do they give you detailed analytics to show how your podcast is doing, they'll give you tools to promote your episodes and an easily accessible podcast website where anyone can listen to your podcast. And because they think of your listeners' needs as well, the website will have a directory of where your episodes are available as well. If you'd like to try your hand at podcasting, Buzzsproutz is an option to consider. You can use the link in our description to check it out. You will get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and in addition, help support our show.